Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Steven, it's Dax. It is currently 3.38 a.m. on April 28th of 2018. And I just listened to the entire Fan Fiction Friday Complete Adventures episode. And I just wanted to say that you are a very, very crazy man. And uh, I'm glad that I know you. And that you do the things that you do. Anyway, I hope you have a lovely day or evening or morning whenever you listen to this. Fairly well. Welcome back to See Jurassic Right, the mini-sode edition. Uh, <laughs> that was an incredible voicemail from Dak Schaefer, my good buddy and um, past guest who was on the music episode. He did the Lost World cover. Um, yeah, we wrapped up the Fan Fiction Fridays and I put it all up in one episode. I hope everyone enjoyed that uh, bit of silliness. Um, yeah, check it out if you haven't. Um, who knows? Well, maybe we'll do fan fiction again one day in this podcast in season two or something like that. But, um, yeah, go back and listen to that if you haven't. 
Um, what a month it's been. Um, obviously, we're into May now. Uh, April was a crazy, wild month uh, filled with birthdays, serial killer, catch it, you know, capture, uh, and all kinds of new Fallen Kingdom news. So it's been a wild roller coaster. Um, the Jurassic World episode dropped. And I'm super, I was super excited for that to finally come out because I had chatted with Lauren Lapkus and Courtney James Clark for a while. So I was super happy to finally have those interviews come out and my conversation with Lindsay. It was Jurassic World, that Jurassic World episode is definitely one of the toughest episodes I've done so far, I think, just because, um, you know, Jurassic, Jurassic World is so new. So it's kind of almost hard to uh think of what to say you know what's what's the point and all that kind of stuff um you know because the main episodes are very much have a goal and a theme in mind and stuff but i think uh lindsay lindsay's uh, amazing story combined with the experiences that that lauren and courtney had working on jurassic world i think they provided nice counterpoints to each other and yeah i mean i i hope you enjoyed it if you want to i mean i would obviously love to chat with more uh people involved in the jurassic franchise um let me know if you would like me to as well um and uh, that lovely voicemail from emmy from topeka uh, was amazing as well too and just captured the right spirit i think we're all in the mood now as fallen kingdom nears it's like hey we want this to be a great movie but we also want to have a good time and we want you know we want it to bring us together so um yeah, I, I hope everyone really liked the Jurassic World episode. I mean, I, I definitely want to revisit it in kind of more of the format um, of the first three movies. Um, I think that's something I'll definitely do in season two. But it was really fun just to sit down with Lauren and Courtney and pick their brains about, uh, I mean, yeah, just working on a huge blockbuster machine. So um, I'm coming to you from the Hard Stark uh, MFM podcast loft right now. Mimi is sitting right next to me. Um, Dottie might show up at some point jumping around. Um, she's super cute. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to cover today. Um, but first I really wanted to thank all the patron subscribers. I know I haven't, um, thanked people in the last couple episodes cause it's just, just trying to catch up with everything. And again, yeah, April was such a bananas month and i just wanted to thank the patreons because really none of this would be possible without them they really they're don't every time somebody donates to patreon to the see jurassic right patreon patreon.com slash see jurassic right it really goes into helping me set aside time for this podcast to be able to work on things um, almost every day to not only make the bonus content on there but to even just take the time to make the podcast in general so um you know, all of that really goes towards helping, uh, you know, keep the lights on here and everything. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to thank everyone again. It's been really fun. And if you're thinking about joining, there's a lot of really cool stuff that you can do as well. Um, or that you can, you know, watch and listen to and stuff. Um, you know, our, the Patreon exclusive minisodes are really a fun place to just riff and kind of riff and ramble and kind of dive into things a little bit deeper. I recently did kind of a making of the podcast and the journey that I've been on so far with it. Talked about my five favorite dinosaurs. We debated the egg situation in Jurassic Park. We talked about Jurassic World as a Christmas movie or not, all that kind of stuff. 
with the Dino ASMR videos for $15 patrons. Uh, it's been really fun just reading aloud trading card, you know, collections, dinosaur encyclopedias from the early 80s till now, um, early Jurassic ephemera, and a lot of other exciting stuff coming up. We have the monthly Q&As where I can kind of just kick back and answer questions and everything. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to reiterate that, um, that that's a thing that I'm doing. Uh, so, and again, all the patrons who support me, uh, it's, I mean, phenomenal. I just, I'm speechless and so thankful. Um, and I just wanted to read your names again, because I'm, I just want to, just want to take the time to thank you, uh, uh, today. I feel like, I feel like it was a good time. So, um, uh, Michelle, uh, Allison, Catherine, uh, from Smartmouth, Christine, Caitlin, Michelle with two L's, Madison, Morris, Sarah, Margaret, Morgan, Colby, Chelsea, Castlin, Melissa, Jacqueline, Sabina, Maddie, Steve, Jessica, Faith, Nikki, Zelma, Chris, Jennifer, Emmy, Danielle, Jody, Taylor, Roxanne, Jeff, uh, Priscilla, Bella, Brenna, Nick, Samantha, Kira, and Jessica. Again, um, I mean, even just reading that out loud, I kind of, I don't know. It's, it just means a lot. It's really cool. And, um, yeah, you can, if you want to, if you want to donate it, uh, or, you know, and if you can just sharing the podcast and rating and reviewing on iTunes really helps, you know, um, this is still a small podcast. I, I think, um, I think there's almost an illusion because, uh, you know, my favorite murder is such a huge podcast that, that there's hundreds of thousands of people listening to this podcast as well, but we're, we're a small but strong unit. And, uh, I'm so thankful for everyone who's listening and been participating the amount of, of, of how much I get to just hang out and talk about Jurassic Park each day. Uh, just from only starting this thing about a year ago is, is nuts. Like, yeah, it's, I can't even believe how far we've come in such a short amount of time. So, um, yeah, thank you so much, everyone. Um, but let's get on, let's get on to some news. Let's get on to some stuff. There's been a lot of things happening. Um, again, because we're ramping up for Fallen Kingdom, we're ramping up for the Jurassic Park 25th anniversary. Um, there's so much good stuff happening. Uh, just wanted to mention briefly, uh, potentially, uh, putting together some sort of event, uh, in LA, uh, for the release of Fallen Kingdom. So if you live in Los Angeles or Orange County, kind of mark that weekend, uh, June 22nd on your calendars. I'm not sure what it's going to be yet. Uh, I think we have the venue, but, um, hopefully it all comes together, but I should know more soon. And you obviously be the first to hear it, uh, when it's announced, but yeah, hopefully for cooking up something good because why not? Right. I mean, it's going to be such a celebration, uh, when the movie comes out and I'm super excited to, uh, yeah, just to experience it with everybody. Um, and I, yeah, I want to do something as well for the, you know, for the actual 25th anniversary, because, uh, yeah, I think, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something, maybe like a commentary or something. I don't know. Let me know what you'd be interested in. But um, I just wanted to get this out of the way because I feel like I've been on a journey with a lot of people over the last month, which is trying to get those gosh darn Fallen Kingdom and Jurassic Legacy toys. Um, you know, unlike Star Wars Day, uh, um, 
unlike Star Wars Day, where it's a coordinated release effort, uh, I think we saw, I think everybody's kind of experienced mic- a mixed bag of getting the toys that they wanted. I certainly <laughs> was very naive almost. And, you know, because I think part of it is like the fun of the hunt of like going to Target or going to Toys R Us or Walmart and being like, whoa, whoa, like, oh my gosh, there's a Claire, there's a Owen, there's, you know, uh, five Gallimimuses, you know, um, or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's been an interesting ride, uh, looking for the toys and stuff and everything. And it, you know, it's partially, it's been fun and partially I'm just sort of of the Amazon generation where I'm just like, I just wish I could have just ordered this all online instead of driving around, like going to multiple targets in a, on a Sunday morning or whatever. But I mean, overall, I'm, I'm very happy with everything I have so far. Um, and also very thankful for, for people, uh, for friends who and listeners who've kind of helped put the word out or just, you know, have sent me stuff. I mean, I, this birthday was amazing. Um, just for the, just for the reasons of, you know, we raised money for in the backlog and all that stuff. I'm not a huge birthday person. So I, I felt like this is definitely one of the best birthdays yet. And, um, especially wanted to thank Faith and Michelle for, ha- uh, for helping me track down the Jurassic Legacy figures because for the love of God, none of the targets where I lived had Grant, Ellie, or Muldoon. And of course, what happened was as soon as that they sent me, you know, um, and I found a, an Ellie for Michelle, but uh, eventually, but it's one of those things where it was like, of course, the moment I stop looking, that's when they're everywhere. But I'm just so I'm just appreciate um, again. Thank you, Michelle and Faith for for looking out for me as well as Sawyer, who sent me a freaking amazing uh, <laughs> a dino package with like a bank and uh, what the dinosaurs did last night book and this amazing fossil pillow. Anyway, I just wanted to make sure to say thank you because, uh, yeah, it was a great dinosaur filled birthday. So, um, again, I appreciate everyone who wished me happy birthday. So, um, uh, okay. So, all right. News. What are we doing? Um, final trailer dropped. Go check out the Raptor reactions. Um, I, I think it's a, I think I'm more, I think my opinion has changed a little bit slightly. I, I think I'm definitely more of a fan of that trailer um, than when it first came out where I, it didn't seem that different from the first two to me, but I, I definitely think they picked the best of both and really made it something special. Um, and I've, I mean, I, I have seen the, the, the Chinese and the Japanese trailers and I, I think that they, I mean, those feel like synopsis type trailers, which I'm not really a fan of. So I like that we got to see more footage, but also at the same time, it's like, you know, there's that part of you that just, you know, you want to, you want some surprises when you walk into the theater, you know, we're obsessed with knowing every little detail beforehand and theorizing. But at the same time, there's that part of your brain that's like, no way. And I just want to like go in completely cold. And there's some movies that I do that now where I don't watch the trailers and I don't follow every little making of. And then there's some movies where it's like, I have to know every little detail. So obviously fallen kingdom is one of them. But, uh, anyway, let me know if you, I mean, let me know again what you thought of the trailer and all that good stuff. Are you excited for fallen kingdom? Are you, uh, as of this, this date, they've released a bunch more TV spots and stuff. Are you stopping watching or are you, are you still keeping up with everything? Um, let me know. Um, and then there was a few great articles cause now it's like making the rounds. I will say this one thing, uh, as a 
piece of criticism on all the magazine covers and everything. It's very much focused on Chris Pratt um, and Owen Grady. And, you know, I'm going into Fallen Kingdom and, and this new Jurassic trilogy because of Claire, because of Bryce Dallas Howard. And, you know, they say as much, you know, when you watch the movie, it's Claire's movie in Jurassic World. And you and I bet it's going to be the same or on some level similar with Fallen Kingdom. So it's kind of a bummer that, you know, I mean, obviously, Chris Pratt is, quote unquote, the bigger star, but it's it's just disappointing on some level for the marketing of the movie to just solely focus on Chris Pratt. So that's a little that's that's kind of been a big disappointment for me, which is why I'm not really interested in getting any of the magazines because it is just Chris Pratt and, and not Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt. It's like, I don't know. I, I think of the Jurassic World trilogy as something more akin to like Ant-Man and the Wasp, although Ant-Man is Bryce Dallas Howard, even though Evangeline Lilly has uh, her uh, her character, um, Janet, has the same uh, hair as Claire does. So that's kind of a funny connection. But anyway, like, I don't know. I think of them as like a pair, not really. And, and again, with Claire having more of the journey, you know, she's the Alan Grant to chris pratt's ellie sattler kind of thing in terms of like just ever so slightly more of the main character although i'd argue that it's a there's more of a distance there or more of a gap but um yeah that's my only like that's that that's my only piece on that i i wish claire i wish bryce Ellis howard was more front and center with the marketing of the movie um but what do you think um They've started releasing these Jurassic journals, like these little behind the scenes. I really hope that they include, they're really fun, but I really hope they include them on the Blu-ray. It's like, that's the thing that we notice with Jurassic World and it's been happening more and more lately. There's been a splintering of special features where it's like you have to go track down either, you know, other versions from different stores or some are released online and never released on digital or you have to like enter a code. And it, anyway, um, I'll include a link to those, but they're fun. They're just cute. They're just, you know, little fun bits of marketing material. So um, and uh, ooh, I wanted to read a little bit from because to, to me, the most interesting interviews were coming from slash film um and the uh his name is peter scaretta i apologize if i if i got your last name wrong um he's been a big advocate for jurassic world i feel like in the film community because i feel like in general the film community hasn't been too enthusiastic with um the jurassic world you know the, the this new phase of the franchise um but i think peter uh has been a big advocate as well as um, Perry Nemiroff from Collider. Um, and so I enjoy hearing what they, what they have to say about Jurassic because I don't think they're, I think they're, they're rooting for the movie, even though I would say the tides have turned. I think that last trailer actually got a lot of people interested as well as the CinemaCon uh, showing where they showed the first five minutes of the movie or the opening sequence of the film. So um, who knows? And we might not be as much of an underdog anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah, Peter Scaretta had a, a bunch of great interviews on slash film. I'm just going to read a couple segments that I think were the most interesting. So he interviewed uh, Peter Crowley and Frank Marshall producers of, of fallen kingdom and what he, what they said on Franklin and Zia who are played by uh, Daniela Pinita and justice Smith um, so Peter Crowley says, so there's Justice Smith. Okay, he plays a character named Franklin, and he is essentially the IT guy for the group. And we hear a reluctant guy. He doesn't seem to want to come. 
Uh, Marshall says he's a reluctant adventurer. He loves being there at his computer and his keyboard, but he doesn't want to go out and be an Indiana Jones. He's not interested in that. And then Carly says, so he doesn't like to fly or he doesn't like bugs. He really doesn't like being outside. So he's the perfect person to go on an adventure. Um, and then there's Danielle Pinedo who plays Zia. She's the paleo veterinarian. She studied and went to university and knows, but never has actually seen dinosaurs yet. Since they're all on Island Nublar, this will be her first exposure to real flesh and blood dinosaurs. She's pretty fiery in her defensive dinosaurs are like the rest of us and they need to be preserved. We have to look, we have to keep them from being, becoming extinct. Save the gorillas, you know, this is Frank Marshall, by the way. Um, and then, um, Peter says, oh, and Colin told me these two are the secret sauce of the movie. That's the word he used. And Frank Marshall says, yeah, they keep things moving. They're characters you haven't seen and you're and they're unexpected. They're court jesters, whatever you want to call. They can add a little brevity without being too silly or whatever. Um, and my takeaway from this is, I mean, I think they're going to follow the, uh, you know, Star Wars formula by having actually some young voices, having some more meta voices in a way where instead of kind of, you know, Lowry's the hipster nerd who looked down on Jurassic World, whereas I think, uh, I think, uh, uh, Franklin and Zia are going to be much more wide eyed about the world and about the possibilities, um, through their kind of like youthful lens. I mean, that's, that's just kind of reading between the lines. And I think that's actually really exciting. Um, and I almost get the sense and I talked about this in a past Patreon in the ways that this movie looks more and more like it's taking material from the Lost World uh, book, which is really cool, is I almost wonder if um, Franklin and Zia are going to be modeled after um, Arby and Kelly from the Lost World because Arby was the computer nerd who kind of didn't really go outside and he was much more comfortable, like you're saying, much more comfortable with computers and he was the genius who, but, you know, wasn't experienced and, uh, you know, in the, in the field. And then Kelly was more of the, like, I, I think maybe Kelly is a little bit different here. I mean, not that Kelly from the lost world was, she wasn't really like Kelly from the book, but, um, obviously, um, cause Kelly in the book wasn't Malcolm's daughter, but, um, I think there was an intuitiveness and a curiosity to Kelly in the book that I think maybe that's what they're translating to, um, to Zia's character and then kind of almost like a, a righteousness that I really liked about Kelly because Kelly in the books was, um, you know, poor, but she was super smart and she wore all these like hand me down clothes and she was just kind of like a, a rumpled mess and, and was just trying to search for her place. So I don't know if that kind of aspect will be into it, but I, I can tell when he, they use the word fiery, I think that there might be some of that righteousness of, of, of saving the dinosaurs that might translate or, or that curiosity. So, but who knows? Um, and then, uh, in a, in a different, in the same interview, uh, with Marshall and Crowley, uh, they talk about Jeff Goldblum and, you know, they say, you know, Colin wanted, you know, wanted the, uh, Oh danger. I told you so kind of character. And Crowley's like, it's not that difficult. And Frank Marshall says, so when the volcano erupts and suddenly we're faced with, are the dinosaurs become extinct again? Do we save them or not? That's a big question that get, that gets, that he gets to pose again. And then we go from there. He's very philosophical in the movie. He doesn't come on the trip, but he's sort of an observer of what's been happening. And he speaks about that. He bookends the movie. Yeah. He essentially bookends the movie, um, with, I warned you and now I told you so. Um, and now we're going to be in a different place. 
Um, and then Peter asks, uh, Peter Scaretta asks, where is he at his life now? Because we haven't seen him in 20 years or so since The Lost World. And Crowley responds, oh, his character is what, is what he believed in before. He still believes fervently now. Marshall says he's still very much so. He's a scientist, philosopher, rock star. Um, Peter asks, is he still doing that? And he's like, yeah, well, he's very senatorial in this one. He goes to this kind of hearings now and speaks about science in the world and how science can affect the world and how we have to be careful of what we wish for or just be able to do something doesn't mean it's right. And so um, to me, the most interesting part is the idea of the bookending thing, uh, which is very interesting because I think we all knew that he wasn't going to have a big presence in the movie. Um, but I almost like this. I like the idea of potentially, it, you know, it, it's not very clear that it's literally a framing device but it could be used in some capacity like that uh, well it's not a framing device unless there is unless he opens the movie and then there's the opening sequence that they showed at CinemaCon. but um a, a, a vaguely uh, philosophical um book ending kind of thing so i think that's interesting i i honestly don't think we're gonna really get into his personal life at all i don't think we're gonna see kelly or unfortunately uh you know julian moore's not gonna pop in for a quick cameo um, although I think if anybody deserves to come back to the franchise, it's it's Julian Moore's Sarah Harding. She's the one that actually liked dinosaurs and wanted to go on adventures. Um, so anyway, that's my piece about that as well. Um, and then they talk about uh, on Lockwood. Um, Frank Marshall says, yeah, Rafe's great. And Lockwood is not a villain, I wouldn't say. Crawley says, no, he's no more of a villain than John Hammond was a villain. Um and there's a great video by, um, oh my God, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, Clayton Fiorani. Uh, Fioroni. He is um, he he makes these great videos, just kind of taking little deep dives into Jurassic Park things and stuff. And he he has a very measured approach to it, which is really cool. And he just he just has lots of great details. And so he goes into a theory about how the character is related to. Um, a character that was originally in a very early part of the Jurassic Park book, which is super good catch, which I would have, wouldn't have thought of uh, a character called Atherton, who is like John Hammond's partner. And it's just, it just blows my mind because it just means that the possibilities of the material that they're drawing from, that those Crichton books are still the gift that keep on giving. So I'll put a link to that um, in the notes. I'm going to write that down. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, and then, yeah, there's a lot of hoopla about how this film has the most animatronics since the original. Um, but you know, I think that's been pretty much debunked. I mean, Jurassic Outpost, uh, if you look at the Lost World, I would say Lost World definitely has a lot of animatronics as well. So, um, and then the last bit of news, I know there's a lot of other news, but, um, you know, I obviously Jurassic Outpost is such an invaluable resource. So I feel like if you just want to catch up with all the Jurassic Park news, besides if you're in the Facebook group, uh, which, you know, we're posting every day, everybody's posting updates and, and stories and things like that. So, um, but, uh, yeah, if you go to Jurassic Outpost, I mean, they just have every, everything covered. It's great. Um, uh, Chris and Assis, uh, Jack and the rest of the team there do great work. Um, Ooh, so uh, so Total Film, which was the other, again, another magazine that just has Chris Pratt on the cover and the Indoraptor. Um, this is the biggest thing saying that Contravar has gone on to quote to say that um, 
that he says, okay, the pull quote from that interview says, I'm looking forward to it in the third film, getting back to a little, a little back into the paleontological wild animal, true dinosaur nature of all of it. Basically saying, uh, basically the big pull quote or the, basically the big news is that there will be no more hybrids in, you know, no dinosaurs created in a lab in, uh, Jurassic world three, which he is coming back to direct. Um, he said in another interview, if he said, I could, if I could contextualize each film, I would say Jurassic World was an action adventure. Fallen Kingdom is kind of a horror suspense film. And Jurassic World 3 will be a science thriller in the same way that Jurassic Park was. Um, obviously, it's like, I think on some level, there's an immediate cause for celebration. I think for people who, um, you know, who aren't necessarily interested in the Indominus Rex or the Indoraptor. Um, I think this is great. And I obviously could just watch a planet earth version of dinosaurs, you know, of just dinosaurs roaming free and hanging out and just being their dinosaur selves. But I'm always wary of, I, I hate to be the Malcolm here. Um, but I'm just very wary of magazine. I just feel like this stuff sometimes is just said to generate hype or it's like, it's the most like the original back to basics. It's always, it just feels like, a lot of um, flim flam kind of talk. And I, 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 I want to say that be, just sure there may be no more hybrids built in the lab, but my theory is that, you know, and other people brought up the point that it's like technically all the dinosaurs are hybrids because, you know, amphibian DNA and no feathers and all that stuff. So it's like to say that just because there's no more like fake dinosaurs doesn't, you know, there's still the whole, you know, and I think the way that they thematically use the Indominus Rex is really cool in Jurassic World because it was the idea that this perversion has has gone so far over the edge. So I think, um, you know, I think there are so many interesting ways to use hybrids and stuff. And my my only guesstimate, my only theory is that yes, we're not going to get another oh, my helicopter. So, so my theory, or kind of my best guesstimate, is what Colin what Colin Trevorrow really means is that I think the idea of like these single monsters created in a lab, I think we're going to, I think that's a bigger sign that that's not even something we're going to have to worry about that the, the, the Jurassic world that's going to exist after fallen kingdom is going to just be like, there will just be dinosaurs. And so I, I think, you know, naturally evolving and, and, and becoming on their own, um, yeah, but who knows? I mean, again, he could just being very literal there, but I, I guess I just want to like, I want to, <laughs> I want to like just be the, the, I'm just, I just don't want to get my hopes up. I think that's really what it is. So, um, but I think that's really cool if, and again, the pull quote of like, this is going to be the most Jurassic Park since Jurassic Park. And it's like, well, they kind of said that about Jurassic World. So again, I'm just very wary about the kind of marketing speak, um, but it's exciting. I mean, if, if, I mean, that would be an interesting turn for this trilogy to kind of take it really big for this second movie, you know, in some parts with the volcano and all that kind of stuff and, and whatever. And then to really just bring it back down to bring it back down to a much more singular focus because the, I mean, the focus for Jurassic Park was so small. It was literally a group of like less than 10 people uh, you know, a handful of dinosaurs in, you know, a 48, 48 hour period. I actually don't know how many, 
days takes place over a 24 hour period. Yeah, I guess 24 hour period or abouts. Um, but yeah, so it'd be interesting to take the focus back on that because the scope of these movies has only widened because that's kind of what blockbusters have to do. So I don't know. I'm curious. I'm excited. What do you think? Are you excited to say no more hybrids? Hashtag no more hybrids. I feel like that they might start using that when they start marketing Jurassic World 3. Um, are you are you wary like me? Are you just trying to <laughs> you trying not to get your hopes up? Like, I just don't want to be disappointed. Um, uh, and so the last bit of news um, and as this is getting released on May 11th, 12th and 13th, is the Jurassic Park 25th anniversary celebration at Universal Studios Hollywood. Um, still kind of have no idea what's going to happen other than they're going to show the film um, back in theaters, I think in IMAX, and which is where I saw it the first time in 2013 for the 20th anniversary. They're going to have costume contests. I believe Colin Trevorrow and um, uh, uh, Jack Horner are going to be there. Um, I think there's going to be like props and stuff. There's going to be able to go on the ride. So, uh, I'm not really, you know, work permitting. I'm basically going to go, um, Friday and Saturday night. So if you're there, please say hi. I'll be wandering around in costume. Uh, so, and I know, um, all the folks over at Jurassic Outpost, speaking of, are going to be, are going to be there as well. So I'm looking forward to meeting up with them. And, um, yeah, if you're out there, come say hi. I'll be wandering around, uh, maybe I should bring, yeah. All right. Well, you'll see. But, um, and that also comes hot on the heels of literally, as I was about to record this, uh, the news that the Jurassic Park, that Jurassic Park, the ride will be closing on September 3rd, 2018, the Jurassic Park ride at Universal Studios. You know, the rumors were, were happening when we did the Jurassic Park, the ride episode, um, it was just rumors, but now the official word is they released a trailer. It's going to be rebranded as Jurassic World. Uh, so cool. I mean, end of an era, really. I mean, Jurassic, Jurassic Park, the ride is one of the most consistent non-changing rides since since 1996, whereas all the other attractions in Universal Studios have essentially changed over once or twice since then. Um the the Jurassic Park the ride has been kind of that constant, and so they're closing down the store and the restaurant and the ride. Um, I really I really think it's going to be a a fresh coat of paint. I don't think it's going to be a brand new ride in that kind of sense um, because it's only going to be closed for I think six months or a year or something like that. It's so funny. I just got my Universal Studios pass for my birthday, and it's like all right, well now we're closing for a year. So. Um, but I've got plenty of time to ride it before September rolls around. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to, I really just think it's going to be a Jurassic park reskin. I think it's, they're not going to fundamentally change anything about the ride to give solace to where are they going to replace the T-Rex with the Indominus Rex or something like that? I, I don't think they are because they, in the, in the trailer, they used Rexy. So I feel like if they were going to be like Jurassic world coming at you, extreme and dumbness, like I think that they would have used the, the IREX in the trailer, but they didn't. So I think, uh, you know, nothing confirmed, but I think, uh, for fans who are worried, I think that hopefully should give you a little bit of, uh, hope that it's not going to be completely Jurassic worldized and that it will still contain the spirit of the original. So, Remains to be seen, but um, I'm excited for this weekend. And again, come out and say hi. If you're out, I'll be there. 
at least Friday and Saturday night, maybe during the day. I'm not sure yet, but I'll let you know. I'll let you know on socials when I'm around. So, um, oh my gosh, that's everything. It's not even everything. There's so much news. Uh, but now we're going to get to some emails and some calls and stuff. And also, um, some other bits and bobs from past guest interviews and stuff, because it seems like people have been enjoying that kind of extra content from those interviews that didn't quite fit the theme of the episode. Um, so we're going to do that to close out everything. Um, but first let's hear a call from Andrew. Hello, Stephen. This is Andrew calling from all the way in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And I thought I would just call in because I thought you were looking for stories about Jurassic World. It's crazy to think that it's been, what is it, like 2015? It's been like three years since Jurassic World first came out, and it just seems like yesterday. I really like the film a lot because I feel like in a way, it's talking about sequels. Like, the entire film is a metaphor for the movie-making process. Because in so many ways, making a movie, especially a Jurassic Park movie, is kind of like making a theme park or a roller coaster. And this idea that, oh, people are going to be bored. You need to do the next biggest, best thing. You need to do this, this, and this, and make things bigger and better. And people will get bored and no longer be interested in the old ways of doing it or the old ways of filmmaking and as such you get the Indominus Rex which is like the epitome of a sequel villain in a movie right it's better than the T-Rex it's got all the powers of the Velociraptors and while that works really well in the movie itself the ending where you get the original T-Rex teaming up with a raptor and the Mosasaur to take it down it almost feels like it's a commentary upon this movie itself will never <laughs> be better than Jurassic Park, and none of the sequels will ever match that quality. And sometimes it's good to recognize that the original roller coaster is really good, and people don't actually get bored of Jurassic Park. And people actually don't need something bigger or better. They probably want more of a personal touch to the film. And I don't know, maybe I'm rambling a bit, but that's kind of what I really like about the film. Also, I love Godzilla movies, and that end battle is basically a Godzilla fight. So, I mean, can't get much better than that. Anyways, I'll uh, leave it be. Uh, thanks for putting on all the hard work you do, and have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much, Andrew, for your call. Um, yeah, it's funny. I've had that thought, too, about a lot of reboots and, and you know, remakes and stuff in some ways have to sort of justify their existence because you're like, why remake this movie? Why reboot this franchise? Why make this sequel? And so there is this kind of undercurrent commentary, meta commentary on their creations. And yeah, it's it's a very it's almost like a tightrope to balance, I think for, because you're, because there's this idea of like, we want to keep making this thing to make money. And like, so we have to like, it has to psychologically mess with you where it's sort of like it, it, nostalgia is a, is a weapon where it's like, well, we have to remind you that you love the old thing, but we can't, but we also have to somehow get you hooked into this new thing without, without, 
destroying the old thing, you know, it's, you know, the last Jedi is a great example of like, kill it if you have, you know, it's just in, in that, and that was almost kind of meta as well, you know, and, and yeah, it's hard to know. It's a hard tightrope to balance. I think, I think for a lot of people, the premise of Jurassic world of, you know, people are sick of dinosaurs. It's like, ah, oh, man, like what? Nobody would get sick of dinosaurs. You're crazy, man. Um, so I think all like, I think we're always going to have a, that's always going to be a weird sticking point, but it's almost like the movie, the filmmakers have to justify to the executives. It's like, well, no, we're creating a problem and now we have to fix it. And so I think that's a big part of modern, uh, blockbuster filmmaking, whether it's dinosaurs or the Muppets or Mimi, uh, or James Bond. It's like, you have to create a, you have to say, Hey, nobody likes this thing anymore, but now it's going to be back. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to chew on there. Um, thank you, Andrew, for your for your call. And my first email um, is from Brenna. The subject is gold passes and how you just can't unsee Jurassic Park. Hi, Stephen. This is your social media friend, Brenna. Um, she's uh, at uh, Beeksels on Instagram and Bonnie Puns on Twitter. Uh, Brenna, um, she's a, a chef, a fun enabler, a talented top vocalist, and intermediate theme park enthusiast. I was listening to the last two episodes of SJR and wanted to share some intel on the best way I found to do Universal Studios. Also, please forgive me if this email is full of long and run-on sentences. I haven't written a non-work-related email in months. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Brenna. Um, Visiting Universal can feel like a bit of a ripoff when you know that annual passes used to cost $89, but when I decided I wanted to go there last summer, I found out that Costco sells an avail on an available online-only annual gold pass for $199. The perks of this pass, other than costing only around $60 more than a day pass, are a few blackout dates, free parking if you arrive before... Uh, the park closes and 50% off food and merchandise. I'm pretty sure what's cool about the food discount is not only can you enjoy some cheaper fries while listening to the majesty of John Williams after you've ridden JP, but it also extends to the restaurants and city walk, which comes in handy for somebody like me, whose dad is a parrot head and likes to get volcano nachos from Margaritaville when he comes to town. Yeah. Yeah. I highly recommend this pass for line haters. I feel like it's much easier to handle waiting in lines. If you know you have a year to visit the park again, whenever you want, it definitely takes the pressure off trying to squeeze in every ride in a single day. The VIP skipper line passes cool, but yes, so expensive. So it's so funny. So Brenna, you sent me this email March 15th and so much of this has come true. It's too funny. Um, so that this is the pass that I got for my birthday from Karen in Georgia. Um, so I've definitely taken advantage of that parking, definitely taken advantage of that, uh, merch discount and food discount. Um, uh, I got a Modelo upon your recommendation by the, uh, when I went the other day. Um, and also Margaritaville, uh, <laughs> which is where, uh, I happened to be when they caught the golden state killer. So, uh, so much of this has come true. I just, it's so spooky and fun. Um, you just give great advice, Brenna. And maybe I read this before and I just internalized it. So who knows? Um, and then the rest of your email goes, next, I wanted to share with you an anecdote from my life that I've long told people who inevitably asked me a certain question about my experience growing up on Utah. Are you Mormon? Uh, I would describe my parents as liberal Mormons and being that my dad was an extreme sports enthusiast and often gone on Sundays, we were doomed from the start of my family's venture into organized religion. I knew I personally didn't subscribe to the religion when on a certain Sunday, the teacher asked my young Sunday school class 
what we had done that weekend. Completely stoked and probably bragging, I told the class I had gone to see Jurassic Park. One of the kids said, you can't see that, it's PG-13, you can't see that. Some more scorning followed, but guess what, Caleb, his name was Caleb, I already saw it. Um, there was no going back, no one seeing of the movie. I had already experienced the wonderment that was Jurassic Park, and I wasn't sent straight to hell for not adhering to the religion's strict movie-age sinning policy. Uh, this occurrence had a strong impact on me and how I viewed church from then on, even though I was only seven years old, thus forming a special bond for me in the Jurassic Park movie franchise. I clearly remember the hot day in June when my mother dropped my sister and I off at Sandy Movies 9 to wait amongst a string of summertime 90s kids sitting along a tur turquoise-painted railing to see the movie. Not only did the film help determine my personal relationship to my local religion, it also spawned a love of amber, exotic destination vacations, and of course, dinosaurs. Thanks for reading. See you later. Uh, thanks so much, Brenna. This was an amazing email, and it's just so funny how much of this came true. Um, and I grew up around. I grew up around. I grew up in a very Mormon community um, in Anaheim Hills, and I don't remember w when I would hang out with them because my sister, my sister had more friends her age uh, that she hung out with. I mean, I guess I hang out hung out with them a lot too. But um, yeah, I don't remember what their policy was on uh, seeing movies, but um, I, I, I was a sinner as well. So um, <laughs> uh, thank you again, Brenna. Um, Modelo Challenge. Uh, so this next email is from Michelle. Um, it says Jurassic World Experience Surprise Dad. My dad, my sister and I loved Jurassic Park. When we were little and my mom was out of town, my dad would make cheeseburgers and rent the first one, and we'd eat dinner in the dark while watching with surround sound. He just turned the volume up. Surround sound was in quotes. So when I heard about Jurassic World coming out, I called my sister and mom to plan a little Father's Day surprise. I bought 3D IMAX tickets for the whole family. Then I lied to my dad and told him I had come home for a friend's baby shower. About two hours before the movie, I gave him his Father's Day card with three out of the five tickets in it. I designed some. We'll attach photo. He was so excited. Then we drove the 45 minutes to the theater where my brother and sister were waiting. He tried to use every... F he tried to use the very fake tickets with a very fake barcode. After the movie, we took him out to dinner and he told everyone he saw... What He told everyone he saw about the nice surprise. It was a really fun day and planned meeting up, in Fallen, meeting up for Fallen Kingdom in June. Michelle. And the card says, you are one rad dad. And I would say those tickets look very convincing, Michelle. Um... Uh, yeah, that's so great. Um, yeah, I, uh, I saw Jurassic World with my dad. I talked to, I think I talked about it on the very first episode. Uh, or I mentioned it at some point. Well, you're hearing about it now. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's so cool that you could surprise him with the movie and, and do that. And that's exciting that you're going to get to do it again in June. So, um, thanks, Michelle. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So the next email is from Maria. Uh, There we go. My Jurassic Park experience. Steven, I've just started listening to the podcast, but I feel you already know. I I feel like I already know you already from the Percast and MFM. Uh, You need to come to Columbus, Ohio next time we have a live show. My grandma's homemade Buckeyes are the best. Uh, You asked for our experiences with this franchise, and mine might not be the typical one, although I'm sure everyone thinks they're special. (laughs) It is long. I've always been told I'm a terrible storyteller. Oh, well. Here's my story. Let's just, let's dive in, and we're going to go on an adventure, and we'll see. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, in 1993, I was five or probably four when the movie was released. I had two older sisters and wanting nothing more than to be accepted by them. Uh, So I did all the girly things and followed them around constantly. But I also had a new baby brother that I was in love with. As we got older, I didn't love him so much all the time, but we turned out to be the closest even with our age gap. Since we were so young, we didn't know about Jurassic Park until much later. Also, growing up, I did not like scary movies, and I was convinced it was going to be terrifying. Later in life, I realized I still don't like them, but there's a difference between horror and thriller. So growing up, my dad or brother might have watched Jurassic Park when it was released on television... Um, each time a new movie came out, I'd never seen the whole thing altogether, just bits and pieces. Just to sign out about me, I was always an outcast. I had a close group of friends, but I was the weird one. I went away to college and still felt that way. I played college softball for four years, and it was during my sophomore year that I started dating my catcher's brother. I thought I was the luckiest girl alive um, because I was dating a cool guy. Then I got to know him. He played trumpet. He loved comic books, Star Wars, and most of all, Jurassic Park. Oh, I thought there was going to be a turn there. Uh, (laughs) yes, he loves sports, but he was a nerd and I fell in love with that nerd so hard. Our relationship gave me confidence to be weird and let me let my freak flag fly. And by doing so, I was able to open up my world to all these new amazing things I had known small bits about. My brother liked superheroes and was very into Star Wars when the prequels were released, but this guy had dinosaur sheets as a kid. Me too. We were married in 2012. Oh, yay. Happy ending. Um, (laughs) uh, But I can't remember if it was before or after that when I first saw the movie in its entirety. So my early to mid-20s, I remember thinking some of the stuff was ridiculous, but it was also the best they could do in 1993. Overall, I loved it. I I have seen the third movie, but I've always been cautioned about the second was not worth my time, though I did catch the last 30 minutes when it was on TV a few years ago. Just see it. I mean, it's still Spielberg, so... But... um, you know, and listen, listen back to the Lost World episode I did. Um, I think Annie and Megan still give the best arguments for why the Lost World is a great film. So um, when Jurassic World's tickets went on sale, my husband and his friends, also nerds, I really friend my tribe here, immediately bought tickets for the premiere. We had somewhat of a tradition in place now for premieres. We have gone to see everything from the new Star Wars to the MCU's newest releases. We sat captivated until one of the final scenes where I fresh threw my arms up in the air. 
<laughs> there is no way she'd be running from a T-Rex in heels. I whisper yelled to my girlfriend sitting next to me. This is a fact we all concurred after the movie, but it was fantastic. And I called my brother as soon as I knew he had seen it to discuss. We have a four-year-old little girl, and we decided a long time ago that the gender norms that grew up would not apply here. This girl loves dinosaurs. She has a toddler-level version of the encyclopedia I think you had. Last summer, oh, that's so cool. Last summer, we took her to the Natural History Museum in D.C., and the look she saw... The look when she saw the dinosaur bones is worth the trip. Uh, well, I'm not a typical diehard fan. Oh, when well, I'm not your die typical diehard fan. I try to learn as much as I can so I can hold my own conversations with my husband. Our favorite thing to quote, especially when talking about our daughter, is his favorite line in the movie: "Clever girl." Sorry, this was long. Uh, no, it was perfect. Um, <laughs> not expecting you to read it. It's fine. It's fun to write. Maria, you are great. You are fabulous. So much to chew on here. I don't know why I turned into Irving Kirscher. Um, thank you so much, Maria. Um, that's really what it's about is just finding people who you can share it with. And that's really great that you were able to. Uh, yeah, that's just very sweet. I really like that. And I love um, <laughs> I love the idea of having, you know, the the. Uh, the, that like the routine for the movie premieres and stuff. Cause I definitely do that a lot. Um, past guest, uh, my friend Heather Mason and I, we usually see a lot of the movie releases together cause she always gets a fun group going to go see them. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. I hope you are having a, I hope you have fun plans for fallen kingdom. Let me know. Um, thank you so much, Maria. Um, and then, so I think this is the last, Yes, this is the last email I'm going to read from. This email is from Charmaine, who um, she had some really great cosplay that I talked about a long time ago. I think maybe like maybe the second or third mini-sode. Um, so it's great to hear from you again, um, Charmaine. And her email says Jurassic World. And she says, when JW came out, I was so excited as this was my first of the Jurassic movies that I was old enough to go see in the cinema. I got myself tickets to the very first showing at my local cinema, decked myself out in Jurassic World in a Jurassic World t-shirt and loved every second of it. As soon as the gates opened to the park, I had tears in my eyes as JP had been my whole childhood and I couldn't believe I was getting to experience the newest installment at the movies. I came out of the film so excited and happy and overwhelmed, so of course I immediately bought tickets to the next showing that started in 20 minutes as I needed to see it again immediately. Oh my god, that's so cool. I've never done that. I've never, like, like at an actual movie theater gone and seen a movie twice in a row like that. That's so cool. As soon as I got home that night, I wouldn't shut up about how amazing it was and made plans to go with different people to see it again, so I re researching everything I needed to put together a Claire during cosplay. See? Uh, JP was always one of my go-to films that I'd watch when I was sick or upset as a child and teenager, and when JW came out, I was going through a really tough time in my life and brought me the same comfort that JP used to. Uh, I'm loving the podcast and hearing others share their love of all things JP, Charmaine. Um, thank you, Charmaine. And yeah, I mean, that's so great that you know, we were talking about, you know, nostalgia earlier in the context of how it's used. And I think this is such a positive, this is a positive way, you know, that, you know, we do need things that comfort us. And, and you know, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 that kind of the two sides of the coin. And, and you know, regardless of whether or not, you know, we love Jurassic World, I, I you know, which is, you know, just been the focus of this month in this episode and is you know, there is a part of it that still just feels so right. And seeing it in a new context and getting to experience it in theaters, if you hadn't experienced a JP film in theaters before, that's so cool. Um, so yeah, thank you, Charmaine. 
Um, awesome. Well, thank you everyone for your emails. Again, if you want to send me an email, just see Jurassic Ride at Gmail. Uh, dot com or if you want to call in to leave a voicemail let's see i haven't memorized the number yet um 323-688-6969 um or email again at cdrasicwrite at gmail.com to uh you know to share your um to share your stories so next month we're going to be talking about fallen kingdom what you are you know what you're excited about what you're hopeful for uh, you know, what your plans are to go see it, anything like that. Um, you know, I want to hear from you um, just what your plans are for Fallen Kingdom. Do you th- like, has the ramp up been different than when you waited for Jurassic World to come out? Um, but yeah, what are you looking forward to most? You know, that's the kind of stuff I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your calls and emails for that. So again, see JurassicRide at gmail.com and 323-688-6969 for uh, your, uh, all your stories. So, um, and then I just wanted to briefly, uh, read a tweet, but mostly it's sharing a photo and I want to share this photo with the, uh, on social. I've already shared it on Twitter, but, um, her name is Christy, um, at, at Christy's the shit. And she tweeted at me, what better way to graduate than with, a Jurassic Park themed graduation cap. And so she took one of Stan Winston's Raptors, um, put it on a white graduation cap, or there might be some type of like pattern, kind of like white off white pattern. And then there's a little banner that says clever girl and some like flowers and stuff, uh, prints, and then even some actual fake flowers like plopped on top, or maybe they're real roses. I don't know, but kind of giving that fern wave floral flower crown kind of aesthetic, um, on top of her graduation cap. And I just thought that was so cool. Um, and congrats again on graduating. Um, you're now a dinosaur. So that's awesome. So I, hopefully I can graduate one day and become a dinosaur too. Um, no, thank you, uh, Christy at Christy's the shit. I'll post the photo, uh, so you can see it. It's, it's super cool. It's super rad. Um, oh, and she also, um, got a graduation photo with her cat, um, Celine. So, that's also super adorable as well. Um, so yeah, so that's all of our listener mail and calls. Um, and so now comes to the part where we get into little bits and bobs and other things from past interviews and things like that. Um, I talked to Courtney James Clark this month for Jurassic World, and she shared, shared so many funny and interesting stories, not just about the audition, but the shooting and even the Super Bowl party where she was struggling to 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 watch the trailer that she was in on her phone because everybody had missed it at the party. And so I just wanted to play a little bit from um, our interview uh, uh where she talked about just how she got into acting because I thought it was very interesting and very different than what you'd expect. Um, And then I wanted to play a little bit more from Jurassic Becky, Jurassic World Girl, um, who had the viral video of her. I mean, speaking of experiences of of seeing a movie and and getting that visceral reaction right after. um, But uh, we talked a little bit about her relationship to Jurassic World now, um, since she's become a, a huge member of the Jurassic Park community, and a huge Jurassic Park fan, going back and rewatching all the originals and all that stuff. So, so it was just kind of like, oh, what's changed since, um, since the movie came out, you know, three years later. Um, and then I wanted to close out, um, Tom Fishenden, uh, always just leaves me the, the loveliest, um, 
the loveliest uh, calls and, you know, is just so insightful um, and so thoughtful. And I wanted to close out on his story about kind of how he got into the Jurassic, uh, Jurassic Park community online. So thank you so much, Tom. You're a sweetheart. And yeah, that was a very touching call. So I wanted to play out this episode here. Um, we're just going to play out with with this little section with Courtney James Clark, who was the Mosasaur announcer. Um, you know, Jurassic Becky, Jurassic World girl, about her, um, you know, her relationship to Jurassic World now, three years later, and um, our call with Tom Fishenden from the Jurassic Park podcast and, you know, just online everywhere. And so um, thank you to the three of them again for chatting with me. I'm glad I, these little bits of interviews and stuff can kind of come to life. Uh, and in many ways, they can find a way. that was awesome uh so again thank you so much uh everyone for listening enjoy these interviews again see jurassic right um patreon.com slash see jurassic right rate and review all that good stuff um sjrpod on twitter see jurassic right on instagram you know what's up let's get into it since I was like really little I I would I I enjoyed people watching so if I ever had to go to my pediatrician um her name I cringe to even say her name because I hate needles and I hate shots and when I think of her I think of needles and shots but her name was Dr. Tin Tin DeVoe Ooh, that brings me out to say it um but I would go to her for a booster shot or whatever a checkup as a little, little kid, and I would come home and imitate her and, like, want to make an outfit that was similar to what she was wearing and try to talk in her cadence and then try to... I would pick up on, like, little phrases she would say. Like, before she would give me a shot, she would say, this is just going to feel like a little butterfly. And, I mean, she was lying. It did not feel like a little butterfly. (laughs) But, um... But I would like pick up on things like that. And I always really, really enjoyed people watching and um, storytelling in general. And I think that's how I really started to like think like, oh wait, is this a job I could have? Whereas like I can continue to play pretend and I can continue to watch people and imitate and like grab different characters and make my own and all that stuff. I think, yeah, probably by the age of like three or four so oh, wow. when I was like this is cool I want to do this if I can I'm trying to think of a movie I mean I know my favorite movie of all time is Ghost with Patrick Swayze nice. and Demi Moore I love that movie and I cry every single time even though some people say it's cheesy which okay I agree <laughs> but it still gets me um, I feel like I remember that was the first time besides E.T. I think watching E.T. Those two movies, Ghost and E.T., were the first time that I was emotionally, like, affected in a movie. Where I was like, oh, my God. Um, I watched E.T. about a year ago. Rewatched it. Oh, really? And um, I was bawling. Really? I was like, save him. Save him. And then this kid, he needs to, like, let him go back to his planet. He's dying. This little kid's making him die. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't, yeah, I haven't, I was kind of afraid of E.T. a little bit as a kid, so I don't know. But I think now I think I would understand that he's like a sad, he needs needs to go back home. Yeah, I don't think you would be scared of it anymore. (laughs) You're like, it's a puppet. It's going to be okay. (laughs) 
like I, I I really passionately like as a kind of actor storyteller person believe that there's like nothing quite like going to especially like a film and seeing it for the very first time because you can only do it once you know and when you just you don't know what's coming next and everything's a surprise and and you you guess something might happen and then it does or it doesn't like that's just such a special experience and and I'm I'm so happy that I like even though I didn't know it was going to be such a big deal for me like I'm so happy I made it such a special event you know by paying so much money and by <laughs> leading up to it with like the all of the Jurassic Park kind of events and movies and things cuz it was really just like ah one of my favorite things and like ever since I've just been like a a die hard fan well I was going to say so you basically it's kind of cool because you kind of have this like little time capsule of um, you know, what your first kind of thoughts were on the movie. Has it like evolved at all since? Are you kind of like, like just kind of happy to kind of like let that be your, you know, cause I feel like every time I talk about the movie, I kind of, my opinions shift a little bit, but you know, there's something about the, like, you know, when I think back to my first, when I first saw it in theaters and, and those, and again, seeing your video also made me just think about the night that I saw it too, and just the ways that it was special. Um, has like your opinion about the movie changed, or your thoughts about that night changed, or anything? Or so it's so funny because um, I uh, I love Jurassic World, and that's kind of what like got me into Jurassic Park. But I've only seen Jurassic World like twice in theaters. Like I, I feel like I remember it so well, and I haven't actually watched my DVD of it. I've watched Jurassic Park like. 30 times so and like the lost world i've watched a lot too so um i i think jurassic world is awesome and i love it and i love it for bringing me into it and um but honestly like i i'm such like a now i'm such like a buying these jurassic park <laughs> kind of proponent hi Stephen. it is tom here again i hope you're keeping well so i know at the end of the last episode you left a couple of questions for us to answer uh the first one being what were we expecting from jurassic world before it came out and for me i feel as though this is quite a hard question um through the first three films i feel as though you get quite a defined story you see how the dinosaurs in any kind of environment, whether it be a theme park, a nature reserve, whatever it would kind of be in whatever form it would take, are always dangerous. So I kind of feel like the overarching story across the first saga is kind of exploring, I suppose, that idea that these creatures will never be safe. So for me, Jurassic Park 3 ending with the US Navy arriving on Isla Sauna is quite, I suppose, iconic in a way because it almost suggests an end to the dinosaurs to me. I genuinely believe that the US military may have deemed it best to destroy the creatures. So the fact that we have now learned through the Dinosaur Protection Group and other materials online that these creatures weren't destroyed then kind of really... I suppose changes how we reflect on things. So at the time, obviously, I thought that these creatures would have perhaps been destroyed, they wouldn't have been allowed to exist because there had already been the San Diego disaster and now another incident on Isla Sauna. So I feel like I'm saying sauna really funnily by the way, sorry guys. Um, so 
I feel as though, following on from that, the dinosaurs would have almost descended into myth, a little bit like, um, I suppose, what we see in the novels, where you get creatures washing up on the shoreline here and there, unexplained diseases and things going on that nobody can really pinpoint to anything. Um, And I feel as though that could have been a really kind of cool way of exploring this idea that these creatures are still out there, Um, A few of them have died off, but here and there they're having little clashes with what is the natural ecosystem of the world, if you like. And um, that's kind of having an adverse effect and it's showing real side effects and real symptoms in terms of what's happening within the natural order of things. Um, So I feel as though definitely that kind of very science-focused story would have been quite interesting to see. And I feel as though having the dinosaurs kind of shrouded in myth and legacy would have been really really nice because it would have made the eventual return of the creatures very emotive I feel and it would have made it a lot more kind of symbolic to see these creatures back once again. Now this isn't to say that I do not absolutely love the tone that Jurassic World has taken um, because I am actually arguably one of the biggest Jurassic World fanboys out there. I absolutely adore the film and I think it did a lot of things right um, in terms of really setting up this second saga we've got. But I just feel as though something actually a little bit more akin to what we sort of see happening with Fallen Kingdom is what I expected. Um, With people perhaps hearing the stories of these creatures, trying to make profit off of them. These like rich flamboyant people essentially. I feel as though dinosaurs exploiting that would have made a lot of sense. Sorry, rich people exploiting dinosaurs would have made a lot of sense and it would have been something really interesting to see. Um, That said, I'm really happy that it's what we appear to now be getting with Fallen Kingdom and I'm really, really excited for the direction that Fallen Kingdom's going to take that in, uh, but I won't touch any further on that here for now. Okay, and then the second question you asked was how I celebrated it. And this one is actually quite simple. I joined the Jurassic community, so for anyone listening who knows me over on Twitter, you'll know that I've kind of just popped out uh, out of nowhere in the past few months. Before that, I actually had a personal account, which I have completely transformed into my Jurassic account, and I wasn't really that active with the Jurassic community at all. Um, at the time when I watched all the, of the Jurassic films, being the youngest in the podcast community for Jurassic Park podcast at least at the age of just 18 I kind of felt as though I was watching the films at a time where perhaps that community was no longer as active so I didn't really reach out to people and start experimenting with the people in the community finding new people until Jurassic World came out and it was when Jurassic World came out that I started seeing people like, I think one of the first examples would be the Jurassic Park motor pool, learning about some of the people who work there to create the vehicles from the films, and then led me to discover some other people, and eventually I met Brad, who, as everyone who's listening will have heard from him before, is an absolutely awesome guy, and he introduced me to the guys from Jurassic Unicast, and... Arjun, who does the Extinction Level Jurassic Park story, and just all these other really cool people in the community. And I think it's actually through that outlet that I eventually ended up meeting you and connecting with you as well, Stephen. So kind of getting to 
meet all those different people because of that film was fantastic. So when Jurassic World came out, it really was the push I wanted to kind of seek out this community and get creating content about something I was passionate about. And honestly, I am going to hate to get emotional with anyone for a moment, but I would say that that is the best thing I've done because I have met some fantastic people here in the Jurassic community and I've made a lot of truly amazing friends and I talked to so many fantastic, committed and incredibly devoted people on a daily basis. It's honestly mind-blowing compared to what I was doing only a few short months ago. So yeah, for me, Jurassic World was important in encouraging me to get out there, connect with people and really embrace this wonderful community that we have. Also interact with me in the show by following me on Twitter at Stephen Ray Morris and following SJR Pod on Twitter, see Jurassic Ride on Instagram, see Jurassic Ride on Facebook, or you can send me an email at cjurassicride at gmail.com. Not only am I looking forward to talking to people about their Jurassic Park experiences and hearing yours, but I also am going to be sharing ephemera from my childhood and oh god, I'm going to share the fan fiction uh, on there as well and pictures and toys and everything. It's going to be great. And I wanted to thank Caitlin Thompson and Tim Ruggery at ACAST, Molly McAleer, Heather Mason, Stephanie Cook, Sarah Iyer, and you. See Jurassic Right is an ACAST podcast. Check out the show on their mobile app. And thank you for listening. Until next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.